Welcome back, everybody, to the Ball and Breakfast podcast. Uh, we've definitely taken a break here with Thanksgiving, the holidays, everything else. Uh, good chance to just unwind a little bit. Uh, for Wayne, maybe enjoying some Thanksgiving food for me, you know, just, just making sure it gets down my throat into my stomach. Uh, you know, all kidding aside, it was okay. Uh, enjoyed the holidays and the time off and stuff last week. But uh, we're going we're gonna to open it up here, uh, talk a little bit about this Brett, Brett Favre scandal. Um, I think this is like one of two reasons to really cover this, but I think the first is just like, it's been in the news. There's been some updates on this front. So I think it's relevant just for sports news in general. But I think also it's kind of like going back to what we, what Wayne and I have covered in the last, uh, you know, month or so, I'd say on topics that involve athletes with, you know, crime or, uh, you know, things that could lead to lawsuits or anything that involves legal, you know, issues and, uh, RG3 rightfully pointed out that it's really unfair that we look at, you know, Draymond and uh, also Devontae Adams in a certain light, but then we won't shine light on, let's say, a white athlete who is also up to no good uh, for their own reasons or, you know, far worse uh, issues than, you know, let's say a a punch here or there. So uh, we're going to kick it off. Brett Favre, I think everybody is at least, you know, somewhat aware of what's been going on between himself, uh, the state of Mississippi, and, uh, you know, some funding that (laughs) left the state and went into, you know, perhaps the pockets of Brett Favre and other uh, friends of his or colleagues of his and, uh, you know, funneled into the University of Southern Mississippi. And um, essentially, the Department of Human Services of Mississippi has filed a lawsuit uh, against Brett Favre and 38 other defendants in a civil suit uh, for $77 million within the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families uh, Fund. It's called the TAM Fund of Mississippi. Um, you know, going to these folks uh, in ways that we're not supposed to uh, legally. And, uh, you know, this money is for uh, child care purposes. It's for workforce solution, you know, trainings and other purposes, also for job preparation for folks in Mississippi, um, you know, folks that you know, fall under a certain income threshold as well. So we're looking at, uh, you know, perhaps low to moderate income folks, uh, folks of color, you know, just funds that are needed for these people to, you know, live a dignified life and to, you know, try to level the playing field as much as they possibly can in the poorest state uh, in the country. So um, six so far have been arrested, five have pleaded guilty. Favre uh, hasn't been arrested. He's not charged criminally, but he filed a motion to dismiss himself from this lawsuit um, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think what the state is looking at is he's still liable for about $228,000 of interest on money that was taken from this TAN funds and given to uh, Brett Favre uh, for for needs that are around a volleyball facility. Um, he got $5 million uh, for his daughter, who's a volleyball player at the university he went to. Um, and they tried to call it a campus wellness center uh, in the way that they were framing this. And, uh, you know, there's been some text messages that have been uncovered by the state in their audit um, that basically uh, Favre and, you know, a, a person that works within, you know, the state of Mississippi government had basically been going back and forth about, you know, is this money traceable? Uh, you know, <laughs> how much, you know, will they actually, you know, look over in this you know type of transaction? So, you know, there's also a history for Favre with his charity, Far for Hope, um, you know, also getting funds from the state for, you know, reasons tied again to his alma mater. And it's just, there's some trends here that we're seeing where, you know, Brett Favre is going to state, 
Um, he's requesting money. He's text messaging very high up officials. And it's getting into this very sticky um, situation. So Wayne, um, I've said a lot here, you know, looking at a lot of the news, a lot of the coverage on this. Um, just wanted to kick it over to you to, to share some initial thoughts. Um, I do have some other follow-up questions, but let's just start there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, like, this is definitely a despicable thing. Uh, and I would not expect anything less from Favre, I guess, in a sense. So uh, since he is, you know, Mr. Packer extraordinaire and everything. So, um, but no, this like, like the state of Mississippi, uh, uh, according, I think, to the data is 20% of the state is living in poverty. And so it's like, you know, this fund is supposed to help them. Uh, I, I mean, hey, like, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, rich states, quote unquote, and and all that. But this is like the poorest of the poor. So and uh, Favre is, you know, definitely rich in any land that he's at or any state that he's in. But, he, you know, if he's in Mississippi, you know, uh, the, the things that he's doing there uh, kind of just like is disheartening to a lot of people to be like, hey, you know, if we're in this capitalistic system, uh, but this person's playing by different roles because he has friends on the inside, right? And that really is kind of disheartening towards, you know, your average uh, everyday American and average everyday, I guess, uh, Mississippian, if you will, or, you know, one of those 20% uh, uh, people that are living in poverty. So, poverty. so um, it's, it's not a good look. Uh, those text messages are pretty bad. I think that's like the biggest thing that, that just gives it away of like, what are you doing? Like, he definitely feels like he's kind of entitled to, you know, these funds or, you know, uh, working with people that work for the state and and kind of being buddy buddy with them to like you know uh, basically do things like you know get his daughter uh, you know a new volleyball facility since she since she is a volleyball player there and things like that. Um, there was also that nasal spray uh, concussion pro, pro, like protocol uh, uh, type of startup or something like that that some of the funny went into and it's like what in the world <laughs> like you know isn't that what private equity is for or whatever? Like, you know, yeah. Well, why does it have to kind of go through you in order to, to, to do all these things? So those types of things I, I, I'm very, I guess, you know, disheartened about. And um, yeah, like I, I don't understand, you know, this isn't the lawyer, you know, this is where I'm not, uh, I guess, in the lawyer side of this, like how are, how are they able, how's the lawyer just, or how is Brett Favre's lawyer just able to kind of dismiss it, you know, if you will, like it, it, it from, from this case since he's one of the 38 defendants you know what certain qualifications does he have that maybe you know i don't know some of the other defendants don't have or, or just in the legality sense you know what is the legal reasoning for him to actually just be able to dismiss it so things of that i'm not aware of but um yeah i mean those are my no those are my initial thoughts but yeah what are what are your other takes now yeah, I mean, Pravakis, what you were talking about as far as like him being a top investor in that nasal spray you're talking about, he got $2.15 million. And, you know, that money doesn't directly go into Brett Favre's pockets, but in the same sense, if it's, you know, behind, you know, some sort of shell or organization that, you know, he is an investor of or is an you know owner of, it's a good way to kind of protect, uh, you know, the viewpoint of where those funds are actually going. But the one thing I found funny is, uh, you know, he sent out a bunch of tweets about returning you know, money and, you know, the the money that was tied to the interest that he's liable for, according to the state, but it was $1.1 you know, million. I mean, that's all good for the speeches that he didn't make that were part of, you know, these, these TAMP funds and stuff. But the problem is, is like that court at, you know, University of uh, Southern Mississippi and, you know, everything with that volleyball facility, it's already built. So it's like, 
for you to say like, hey, I've returned funds here, but like you have courts and facilities that have been constructed and built and you basically gave um, an IOU out to the athletic director of his alma mater that, hey, I'll have the money, I'll get it back to you and this and that, and then went scrambling to these officials and stuff. But, you know, like you're saying with, uh, you know, what legally gets him out of this, you know, they filed a, a motion to dismiss himself from this case. So we'll see if he actually gets eliminated. But a lot of these circumstances, I feel like, is again, like, his status, his stature, he's Brett Favre. He's got a lot of sway in that state. You know, it's probably the reason why he got the money in the first place. So it's like, you know, it's uh, definitely despicable, especially when you think about where the money was going with with those funds and you've got with his own charity, you know, backing breast cancer research and helping disabled kids. It's just like, this is like the lowest of the low, you know, as far as like how you could go about you know, getting my, couldn't a GoFundMe page would have worked. Like, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm Brett Favre, you know, I throw spirals and I, you know, showed up in movies, uh, you know, something about Mary, like, please give $10 to, you know, you know, the University of Southern Mississippi to build it. Like, aren't there other ways to like get, get booster dollars for your, for your university? And like, isn't that also like a university's job to like <laughs> recruit within state funding to like, you know, build these facilities and, you know, be able to recruit kids like Deion Sanders uh, son, which is, you know, who far was going after. So I guess with it all is like, where do you, where do you see this trending with Favre? Um, I don't know. I mean, how would you go about punishing him others? Um, you know, do you have any other just overarching issues with this? Well, like how, how I don't understand. How is it even possible to like have uh, a state fund how people can have access to that, right? Like, how are they able to kind of manipulate these systems and, uh, you know, get funding from these things that are designated towards human services, right? So it's like, how is that even possible? Uh, like, I don't even know that was possible. It's like, what, you could just do that? Like, all right, what's the Chicago uh, things like, right? Like, I don't know. So, like, these are things that, you know, like rich people type of things, like where they have, I don't know, access well, what's what's the saying? It's like, you know, how, how do rich people stay rich? Like getting other people to pay for stuff or whatever. It's like, I mean, that's just nuts how they're able to he's able to leverage those things. So, um, yeah. yeah, things like that, you know, and, we, you know, we can always talk about like all the other things that like rich people have access to and all. But it's like, how are, how do they have access to state funding like that? You know, that's that's the most ludicrous part of for things that are designated specifically for, you know, helping out the poorest of the poor. You know, if there was a state fund or something like that for, I guess, you know, small businesses or whatever. Hey, sure. I guess fair game. Like, I guess that's that's a little bit more leeway. Right. But no, this is state funding for to help out poor people. So how how did how do they hack that system? Like, that's what I, I have. I'm trouble. I have trouble kind of comprehending there. So, yeah. And like you, I'm, I'm not a swindler or a uh, financial, uh, you know, analyst in a lot of ways to kind of be able to maneuver these deals with with you know state governments and such but i know that at least from the volleyball facility they titled it as a campus wellness center so if you are going to the state of mississippi and obviously like if you were going genuinely to them and saying hey we're trying to build a campus wellness center this might tie to your program maybe there's a conversation there but now that you know there's backstory between him and the other officials they're like okay how can we spin this We'll call what you're doing, this investment in your own alma mater and the sports facilities, like a campus wellness center. So it's like, oh, that sounds really nice. Like, but if you have a really nice auditor, you know, people <laughs> in the state, they're auditing what's actually going on with these financials. That's where this like really hit the head. So it's like, I'm interested to see what happens. Like, I really just hope there's there's not a dismissal of him as far as being charged. Because if 
you know, six other people have been arrested, like, and you've got this paper trail, like, it's really hard not to, not to hit them hard. But it's like, I've just seen so many rich, powerful, influential people just get off the hook for financial crimes. So it's like, what, what would make Brett Favre uh, any different in that sense? Yeah, it, it, it almost kind of reminds me, like, this is like the male version of, like, the whole Felicity Huffman, Huffman thing, right? Yeah. With, uh, yeah. You know, the college <laughs> scandal and, like, oh, like, oh, yeah, trying to, like, get, you know, uh, manip- like, manipulate, uh, uh, you know, your transcripts to say, like, oh, I'm a volleyball player, even though I never played volleyball and get, like, scholarships or whatever, get just having a better resume for college and stuff like that. It, it almost feels like that. It's like, yeah, the rich kind of play different roles from you know, your average everyday person who's struggling along, trying to play by the rules, trying to, you know, but yeah, and then rich people are just like, oh, I'm going to get state funds from poor people to, you know, uh, do, do do whatever I want as opposed to like, oh, you're saying like, just start a GoFundMe or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, I, hopefully there is some sort of, I guess, justice from there. Um, you know, uh, I mean, everything I've read is just, kind of screams like he's guilty and i again you know we're not lawyers uh it just seems like it's not it just isn't fair i guess um in that sense so yeah uh not much else to add i mean definitely think he's guilty in this i hope he's behind bars i hope he pays like a really really hefty fine if if he goes to jail or if he's just you know not getting any sort of jail time which i don't think he'll get um but like even the former governor last thing i'll say is like in their text message stream was basically like, you know, the use of these funds are really tightly controlled and like, I don't want to violate federal law. Ha ha. It's just like, you know, you get to these points where it's like, you know, you read these text messages and like, there's just no other way to kind of get yourself out of it in a lot of ways. And I just hopeful, you know, I just hope it's like as a society, which I think they've already done, but even further, like, continue to make this known that like, this is what Brett Favre did. These were his actions. Nobody's spinning a web of lies. Nobody's putting out fake news. You know, I know he's tried to discredit, you know, the state, you know, media in some senses. It's just like, at some point, I just love to see him take some accountability, look it in the eye and just be like, Hey, I really fucked up. And (laughs) I I didn't mean to do that. I know you guys will never believe me in that, but accept my apology and I'll, you know, do whatever I can to, you put more money back into that pot, uh, you know, whatever I can or however I can. Yeah, I, I hopefully like yeah, he does have some sort of redemption type of thing, or you know, <laughs> if he's not gonna go to jail, which I think he ought to, from at least everything I've seen, it's like yeah, hopefully like he just like I don't know goes to soup kitchens and stuff like that, be you know does all Mother Teresa because this just isn't a good look for him, uh, you know, and, and everything. And if he has any sore conscience or whatever, <laughs> you know, he's got to do something and to I guess kind of redeem himself, but. Uh, yeah, in any case, though, it just seems like he's guilty and he ought to be punished for this. So, yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of Favre and, uh, you know, looking at, you know, where he's, you know, descended from, made a career from, uh, looks like our Chicago Bears will be facing uh, his Green Bay Packers head on this weekend. Uh, both teams are well below 500, well below competing for any sort of playoff burst or anything like that. But, uh, Wayne, do you have any thoughts on, you know, both organizations at this point, maybe where they're going from here, uh, what they may be doing to close out the year? And, you know, do you see anything with this game? Do you do you have a prediction, I guess, for the game? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I this is what this is where I'm like, I, I this is like the first time I've ever wished that the Bears would lose because I do want to keep that. I think we're uh, second right now. And 
you know, anybody that's been following us this whole drafting and all that, and like trying to figure out where the Bears stack up within like the the draft rankings, like if we get the second pick, then there could be some leverage there of us being able to trade back for that pick. You know, if somebody is very quarterback hungry, so you know, I uh, I think it's like Houston Texans right now are slotted for the first pick. And, you know, uh, unless they really are set on Davis Mills, who, you know, has like, I guess a, he's had a decent career, but, you know, it's not been like a game changer, you know, and that's where it's like, okay, maybe they bring in Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, right? Somebody that, that has a little bit more moxie, is a little bit more of a playmaker, can, you know, create plays in their legs as well as, you know, pass and everything like that. So if that is the route that the Houston Texans want to go, good, great, good for them. They take that uh, quarterback, but then that leaves in, uh, another quarterback um, for a team to to uh, draft potentially. Um, so that's definitely where there could be a fight, uh, you know, to get to that second spot. And the Bears might be able to trade back. You know, uh, I think there's been talk either maybe the Lions will see, or maybe like I don't know, the Seahawks if they don't feel like Geno Smith is their, you know, I guess long term, uh, 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 you know, answer a quarterback there. So. Things like that could could come up, you know, you know, teams, organizations with multiple first round picks. So that's where I'm like, you know what, Justin Fields, take a nap. Like it's totally cool, uh, it's totally fine. You know, if you if you do that, and you know, hey, look, uh, I, I also know what Darnell Mooney's I think out for the remainder of the year, as well as Eddie Jackson. So it's like in a way, they're kind of just almost are leaning towards tanking anyways. So that's where I just have the lowest expectations there. Um, just moving on to the Packers, like. Yeah, you know, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers said that he's, you know, he's good to go. I think he's been banged up in, here and there. Um, I mean, Jordan Love actually looked pretty decent, <laughs> uh, you know, it, when he was uh, playing there. He had that perfect pass to Christian Watson, kind of a slant route. Yeah, I think Christian Watson took it to the house, right? So, um, hey, you know, it, I think now is time, now is a better time more than ever if I'm the uh, Green Bay Packers to say, hey, maybe let, let's play around with this idea of, having Jordan Love, you know, uh, get some reps here, especially in this lost season. And then, I don't know, potentially maybe they move on from Aaron Rodgers. You know, there's all the talk of, hey, maybe Aaron Rodgers, you know, he moves on to a different team, uh, you know, next year. So um, I think it's what Jordan Love's like, what, third, fourth year now or something like that. Like, you know, he's got he's to show uh, something for that first round pick that they gave. So um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm just hoping that, you know, Maybe the Packers win, and then yeah, uh, the the Bears keep their you know their their second overall pick status. So yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's a great breakdown. Um, the first thought, at least for Bears, was just this thought about like tanking for the trenches. I mean, whether you're looking at offense or defense, I feel like that's where I would spend most of our capital, at least through the draft. And uh, no, I definitely don't think they should be rushing Fields back on onto the field. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him until like maybe last game of the season or last couple of games of the season, if he's really got a shoulder injury, because really no reason to put him into uh, harm's way with everything, you know, coming down the line for our franchise, especially with how, you know, great he's been overall. I mean, top five in rushing, you know, purely it just against running backs too. It's like, that's incredible. Like I, I'm so encouraged by what we've seen from him, even though we've you know had a poor season, I just feel like, you know, he's not the reason why we'd be, you know, we'd be, uh, you know, fighting for <laughs> fighting for the division. I, I really trust in him now, and uh, I'd love to see where he can take, you know, this whole team. But, uh, no, your points about the Lions and Seahawks as far as, like, dra- you know, trading up, I I think the New Orleans Saints could also be in the mix. I think they have a high second. Um, 
you know, be interesting. I know Gino has been like kind of uh, touted as uh, <laughs> their guy for right now. I mean, maybe that'll change if they start to skid a little bit more. Um, you know, with the Lions, it's just tough because we're look, looking them straight in the eye and saying like, hey, you're in our division, you're our rival. And I think both sides are going to, you know, be probably a little bit squirmish to, to kind of make those deals with each other. But uh, we'll have to see. I mean, I think what you're getting at, though, makes a lot of sense because if we're holding number two overall, there's going to be a ton of demand. And uh, any team that's in those top 10 spots, you know, in the draft order, I would imagine, are probably looking for quarterback help. Um, there are probably very few that aren't. So whether we get two in this year's next round or maybe it's like a first, you know, in 2023, a first in 2024 or something like, you know, just a huge package in the next couple of years. I'd be cool with that because um, I'd love to see us get an edge rusher or one of the top, you know, the top tackle from Northwestern, whatever it is. Like, I just think, you know, depth and, uh, you know, shoring up some of our weaknesses is, is important um, for the Packers. So happy they suck. I mean, I'm like, I'm just so, <laughs> so happy they suck. I was so glad, you know, Brett Favre, you know, sorry, not Brett Favre, chump. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, another chump. But like him just being like, yeah, you can discard uh, Devontae Adams. I don't need MVS. I'm amazing. Pay me all this money, $50 million. I'm going to do ayahuasca out in South America and, you know, just be a jerk all of last year and like, this will be, you know, this the, my reward to you will be, you know, nothing but playoff bursts. And like, I think reality is just really starting to set in. His age is starting to show. I think his like actual care and concern for what goes on in the field maybe is like waning a little bit. Like he has a big media presence, and I think maybe part of that is, you know, playing on him. Maybe it's just, you know, it's okay to like transition off of football at some point. But uh, no, I definitely think they're in a weird spot because, like you're saying, I mean, Jordan Love did show promise. Uh, you know, subbing in for Aaron Rodgers who got hurt. And like, I'd love to know how, how like severe that injury is. If they're also trying to tank, like maybe they, <laughs> maybe they want to position themselves ahead of the bears. Like you don't know, but uh, in any case, um, yeah, this franchise will have to see where they go too, because, you know, I think everybody was myself included, like excited about that defense thought Brett, you know, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> could possibly be like good enough without, um, you know, his top weapons, but in the same sense, I thought the running game would show out a lot more than it has this year. And uh, it's just been a, a, a like a, a disaster for them. So uh, we'll see for this game. Uh, expecting maybe both have backup quarterbacks. I mean, I still think the Packers are maybe a, a bit better of a team. So I'll just go with them for the, for the victory, but, you know, kind of hoping that happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I don't know, in terms of like how I think the bears are going to, go into the off season now <laughs> i'm like thinking about the off season already now it's like all right what's the plan but it's like yeah they have a bunch of capital now um you know over 100 million right uh, obviously they're gonna have a lot of uh you know uh, spots to fill with that capital just they just have a lot of expiring contracts right now so um but yeah you know probably probably take like a willie anderson or jalen carter i think uh with the the second or you know maybe third pick uh, that they have uh is is probably what it, what it, they're projected to do and then just sign a bunch of players i think sign a bunch of uh other linemen or you know on both sides of the ball uh i i think is what's going to happen uh you know we've talked about the wide receiver position a little bit uh you know there's some players maybe here and there that they could add but not necessarily get number one game changers so but i think right now though it's like that's totally fine you know um with uh, justin fields how he's able to play um, you know, they, they did get Chase Claypool, 
you know, who we, we've seen some plays here and there uh, of how Luke he's kind of utilized him, but you know, I certainly think that they could uh, definitely utilize him more and hopefully, you know, they integrate him into the system, uh, you know, in, in this, uh, the later half of the season. So, um, you know, Donald Mooney, unfortunately, I know he's injured for the rest of the year here, but, um, you know, I think he's kind of established himself just like, you know, with Justin Fields. So I, I anticipate that they'll probably keep him, you know, in, in the future plans. Cole Komet, uh, you know, really him and Justin Fields kind of really came along, I think, the past couple of games. So um, hopefully he does stick around. And, you know, I think he's, he's, he's a, a free agent at the end of the year here. And I'd, I'd anticipate he would be back. Uh, you know, uh, he is a Chicago uh, uh uh, I think it was what from Arlington Heights, right? So, or, or some some around that area. So, um, very much, I think he would want, still want to become a bear. Uh, and I don't think he's too expensive for a tight end either. So, um, and yeah, just adding some offensive line there. Um, I've done like bunch of mock drafts. I think for the Bears uh, this this uh, past week, just of like you know, yeah, trading for picks or whatever. And I uh, I mean, I'm using was it the the uh, I, you know both PFF and then also like pro football networks one. And just like, it's just nuts. Like, okay, like you can have all these players that are like up for awards and stuff like that in college. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Poles has really set the bears up for success. I think this off season. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, I think the, the teams, you know, rookies this year, uh, you know, all in all, I think they, they, they did pretty well uh, overall. So, um, I'm kind of speaking like it's the end of the bear season already, but it almost feels like it is. And it's almost like, okay, we, I think we did good. You know, we got, we saw what we needed to see. Now it's just, you know, kind of get through the season and, you know, settle on that draft pick now. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think the strategy is right. I mean, I, I see them taking a direction like the Eagles or like the Ravens and you got this really mobile quarterback who you know, hasn't shown like the most arm talent of, you know, other quarterbacks throughout the league, but, you know, the, the wheels and decision-making, you know, he could definitely facilitate a high powered offense with his legs and just like the threat of some arm here and there. So it's like looking at Lamar Jackson or, you know, the progression of Jalen hurts in year three, it's like, what do you need around him? You need a stout defense, a strong line. Uh, you'd love to have a, I mean, everybody would love to have a great tight end and a couple of, you know, pair of awesome receivers, but you know, maybe that's what separates the Eagles and the Ravens is that, seems like the Eagles have really put a very strong core uh, receiving wise around it hurts. Whereas Lamar is more or less dependent on with Mark Andrews. And then you know, sometimes we get Marquise Brown or Bateman involved in a way, but it's, it seems like they still need some help on the outside and stuff. So hopefully the bears are keeping that in mind too, as they go about this rebuild, but uh, you know, definitely excited. Um, you know, it seemed like we really loaded up on a, on a very young secondary that's very controllable, very cheap. And maybe that was by design. Maybe, you know, Pulse knows that. Like, I'm I'm going to spend the majority of my defensive bucks, you know. If it's not through the draft, grabbing some linemen, linebackers, maybe he knows, like, salary-wise how he wants to game that, you know. So very interesting how this plays out. I actually I, – I feel like – I don't know why. I just have, like, this uh, this faith in polls versus any other executive that's ever come through Chicago where I'm like, I kind of trust what this guy's doing and, like, it'll either like work out or, or maybe it won't, but like, I think the design of it is like pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I he's not, he's not flashy, which I love, you know, I th- it's, it's interesting. Cause like, I think we all remember like Ryan Pace, like, Oh, like he traded like a bunch of first round. And I, 
it, it, it's interesting. Bears Twitter would be like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, and, and Pace We Trust and all that. Like, I remember hearing all these conversations. Now it's like, oh, he's the worst manager ever. Like, oh, uh, you know, like so bad. It's like, yeah, like, didn't anybody see, like, he was doing things that like, he was acting very desperate, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, sometimes it's warranted today. yeah, if you do get an ace wide receiver that's in their prime and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, like, he uh, traded a bunch of picks to get move up to get Trubisky. Um, and then, you know, uh, trade a bunch of picks, you know, to get uh, to, to to get Mac and things like that. So it's like, okay, and you know, we never saw the fullest potential, I guess, with Mac. Um, you know, at least I think we only had that one season, right, with the Bears, where we saw, you know, oh, maybe this is working okay, right? Uh, but eventually, you know, after the first season with uh, Matt Nagy and everything, it, things uh, kind of just uh, showcase, like, yeah, this is not the this is this isn't the future. So. Um, I do like the way that Poles is kind of, he took, you know, he, he took, he just really dismantled the team, really kind of going the Danny Ainge route, right? Where, all right, trade your, trade your top players in their prime, right? And then just load up on a bunch of picks and then, you know, build through the draft and then, you know, sign a, a kind of build a winning culture and then, you know, sign free agents uh, that kind of fit and, and mold with the team essentially. So, and hey, I, I think that's a good uh, recipe for success, you know, if everything can be executed properly. So, um, yeah, overall, I, I actually do like what Iberflus has done. Uh, I, I do like Luke Getze. Uh, I think he's kind of Getze in his play calling. Is, is, it's, it, it almost kind of reminds me of like the Greg Roman type of way, though, um, where it's like I would like to see more, in, um, I guess, innovation in the, in the passing game a little bit more. Um, he's done great at the running game and being able to utilize that. But, you know, obviously with Justin Fields, hey, like he got hurt like on a running play and everything. Like we would much rather him see, you know, throw the ball a little bit more and, you know, sit in the pocket. Obviously, it would definitely help if he has, you know, a formidable offensive line. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, he, he needs to be creating and designing uh, passing plays that, you know, fit and suit Justin Fields' uh, strengths and and – also the wide receivers uh, strengths as well. So, um, but yeah, overall I'm looking to see, I like what I see from the team, you know, at least uh, from this year, kind of what I, I think what both of us were expecting. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, we want to see the bears like win six, six or seven games. We're like, where do you see that in this <laughs> roster? So um, I know we were like, wow, they have like what three wins now. And it's like, Oh, I, I think we're like, Oh, you know, they could potentially win more, but now, now they're on a big losing streak. So, you know, we'll see if they win any more games now with, you know, the injuries that they're facing, potentially not having Justin Fields, you know, for several weeks. So, um, but overall, I don't mind. I don't mind the, the tank job right now. So, yeah, there have been very few seasons where we've gone into it and me being like, yeah, I think this team's actually good. Like, I feel like even when we've been awesome, it's been like, is this team really that good? Like, you know, you have 13-3 Jim Miller teams and stuff. You're just like, is Jim Miller and Shane Matthews really leading this team to a 13-3 season. And, uh, you know, Jay Cutler years, I felt like, you know, hey, we've got, um, you know, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey on the outside. Like, that's exciting. You got, you know, Matt Forte behind, you know, uh, you know Cutler under center and a good defense. I was like, hey, these are exciting teams. But, you know, they always kind of felt like they had a little bit of a ceiling. But, uh, yeah, this year with the receiving core the way it was on paper to, you know, kick off the year, I was like, man, that is a really crappy, <laughs> like, athletic roster there. And, uh you know, they're young. They're still young. New coach. They're learning. They had a bad season last year. Um, but we're moving forward. I think, you know, 
expectations for next year shouldn't be, you know, playoffs. I think next year it's like, hey, building block here. Let's get to seven and ten, eight and nine. Like, let's see what we can do. How are we going to piece this together? So maybe that's a Chicago thing. I feel like, you know, just being from Chicago, I think sometimes our real, you know, expectations for all teams are a little unrealistic. And it's just kind of like, you know, you should really be thankful and happy sometimes we're going to be a 500 plus team. Like sometimes I think we like to look at it as like, we have these championship expectations, but then like just the reality situations, like, Hey, we're just not there. We're a couple players short of what we really want. So uh, I, I appreciate direction and I feel like the bulls, you know, the white Sox, uh, hopefully they can get back on the right track, but the bears, especially just, you know, draining the swamp a little bit, bringing in some new fresh ideas, some new execs, you know, getting rid of some of the red tape, like very good for them as a franchise. Yeah, no, I know. I'm excited. Yeah. With the direction that I think they're going. So I'm very much looking forward to the next several years and kind of like what uh, Ryan Poles has, you know, under his sleeve, you know, the, the free agent market, I think on both lines look pretty solid overall. So I think there's, there's definitely going to be some opportunity to, you know, uh, uh, up level the talent that we have on the roster. So, yeah, for sure. Um, do you have any other football thoughts? Uh, I will. I want to know: Are you Team uh, Mike White or uh, do you do you? Uh, I don't even know. Like, yeah. Like, do you do you think Mike White is the answer, or do you think they ought they, they were a little bit premature on Zach Wilson? Is there a Team Zach Wilson? I don't, I don't know. There's no team. His own there's team probably, doesn't want him. <laughs> there's probably some like you know young middle uh, you know junior high girls that are part part of uh, Team Wilson. I maybe out in Utah, but. Uh, well, their moms, no, I mean, yeah, 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 and their moms for sure. They're for sure their moms, but it's just like my thing with this whole thing. Uh, you know, Mike White, by the way, let's just uh, let's just show him some respect. I mean, I know the Bears are a little bit, you know, depleted. You, they're younger, but man, you know, you know, three hundred yards passing, three touchdowns. I don't care who you do it against; it's in the NFL. Just gotta give him some props for that. That's like some respect there. Um, but I will say, you know unless he can string together three, four more of these kind of like, Hey, this guy's winning football games or he's keeping us in the game, like a Taylor Heineke or something. Then maybe you look at him, but uh, no, I definitely think this is like a huge wake up call for Zach Wilson. It's like, Hey man, what you said at the press conference, like was really unacceptable, like taking zero accountability, showing no leadership, uh, you know, really getting under the skin of your defense. who has been out there all game, busting it, you know, not even giving up, you know, more than three points really, because it was more of a special teams gaffe, but man, it's just, yeah, that's a, that's a gut punch for anybody. Um, a lot of veterans have spoke out about that. A lot of analysts that used to play in the game have, have said their piece. And uh, yeah, this is just a learning moment for him. But uh, I think in the process, you just write out, you know, ride out Mike White while you're still, you know, in contention for playoffs and just see where it goes because man, you, you can't have a better performance than he did even against the bears. So you know, for right now, you know, I'm Mike White. And uh, in general, I was never, I never really got the Zach Wilson hype based on just having like some really cool uh, training camp and like some interesting throws and this and that. Like, I, I want a guy who's a little bit more battle tested, you know, somebody who's like maybe coming through one of the power conferences, like playing some real opponents and like, you know, not to say you can't, uh, you know, figure out, you know, uh, a way to become a true professional in this game, but I'm just not, I'm not like wowed by him uh, and nor was I. Could you imagine if, if the New York Jets took Justin Fields now, like with that roster, like, you know, no, they, it's, it, it's ridiculous, yeah. dude. Look at that. Um, Look at that draft. 
you know, when you got a chance again and just go down that first, like the first 15 picks of that. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> like you could have picked not only that, it's just like, like man, Parsons. Maybe, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there were so many playmakers on, on all fronts, you know, so many good wide receivers. It was like the Jamar chases and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I know I'm missing guys, but it's just like, you know, Mac Jones even would have been a better, uh, you know, uh, pick I would think, but um, yeah, man, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, they had a great draft last year and that's definitely set them, um, you know, forward in their own progression. They're doing well as a team. It's just like, yeah, that was, yeah. that was a huge, uh, you know, uh, immature thing to say, I think of that presser that's, that he's paying for now. Yeah. Well, we'll see, I think with Mike White, they, they, they got some, um, uh, some tough competition. They got the Vikings and then they got the bills the next couple of weeks. So that's going to be tough. <laughs> and, and they're good. on the road for both games. Uh, and then, mm. yeah, they got two games at home. Looks like very winnable games against the Lions and Jaguars. Uh, but then they're back on the road again against the Seahawks and Dolphins. So um, look, a little bit two and two action and, and back to, and two again um, there. So, Here, yeah, I, I, got a, I got a question for you. Did you have any? I don't, I don't want to cut you off, but I did have a question for you based on where you're Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go for it. All right. Mike White has two average to subpar games. They lose two straight games. Do you go to Zach Wilson if you are if they are at the seventh seed of the AFC playoffs or a win or two away from getting in? What what do you do as head coach? Oh man, if I was uh, Roberts, uh, Salo, like yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, Joe Flacco, like <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, get the you know Super Bowl winning quarterback that's like on your bench. It's like, hey you guys, I'm like, I don't know why you all want to get these young bucks here. Like I'm the like the battle tested one here, and you know, it was funny like earlier earlier in the year, right? Uh, you know, now this is they're like a running team, right? But you, you, even when they uh, even now even though they lost, so it was a priest hall, but like early in the year, like I remember Joe Fleck was throwing like 50 times or whatever. It's like, how did they go from that? To like basically running the ball like you know eighty percent of the time to like you know oh maybe let's maybe pass the ball I guess a little bit more with you don't know um, Mike White like yeah you know hey let's let's have a balanced offense get Joe Flacco in there uh, and uh, yeah I know he's not mobile he's and the 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 line is kind of you know has uh, been depleted a little bit too but at the same time like. He's he's a he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, so maybe he is the guy. And I don't know, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like with Zach Wilson, it's like I don't know how you can kind of come back from this. Like they would have to be totally desperate. Uh, Zach Wilson just he gotta just shut up, like not do any press conferences, and then I don't know, maybe like just you know have like a very inspirational. He's got he's gonna like save uh, I don't know save his school from like burning down or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know something like that to help kind of redeem it, you know, his whole backstory, his whole persona. Like, you know, uh, you know, I, I made that whole I guess joke about like, yeah, his <laughs> he's uh, he's dated what his uh, his mom's friend or whatever stuff like that. Like, you know, uh, he 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 really just needs to kind of get away from that. But I, I don't think that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So, um, but yeah, the Jets are just like one decent quarterback away from you know, having a really good chance, like making a run. And then, yeah, obviously their wine just got hurt. So yeah. It's yeah. Tough. 
Like in the same scenario we're talking about, it's probably going to take something like that for Zach Wilson to get back on people's good graces. Like it would have to go the next couple of weeks. They lose two games with Mike White. They go mm-hmm. back to Wilson and then Wilson strings together wins to get them into the playoffs or damn near close. And it's like, cause you're going, I mean, going into next year after another draft, yeah. another round of free agency, like your window is going to start to feel like it's closing, especially if you've got like trash at the quarterback position. So it's like, desperation is going to sink in, I think around draft time again, but for a team that, you know, is, is showing what they've showed this year, like we are a playoff team, mm-hmm. but we're just not having this playoff quarterback ready. Like they might go into the free agency pool and say, who's the best available quarterback. Like we'll pay you more than the market will. Cause we need somebody who's going to like steer us back and in, into playoff contention. Baker Mayfield. Here we go again. <laughs> but, oh man, Just the answer they needed. For yeah. sure, for yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, um, I don't know if if Zach Wilson, if he can, like, I don't know if he, if, maybe this is a come, kind of come come to Jesus moment, right? Or it's like, hey, let's well, maybe I just straighten up a little bit, get serious about you know my profession and you know what what I'm doing with my life right now. Uh, so you know, hey, maybe you know the the last couple games, like you know Mike White just isn't cutting you or whatever. I mean, honestly, like, do they have anything to lose by putting Zach Wilson in there? Uh, you know, maybe the locker room, but, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm Robert Saylor, then it's like, Hey, let's just go out with kind of, you know, uh, what kind of the, the face that we came in with and see if he has anything, if it's now or never. Cause you know, if I'm the GM too, it's like, if Zach Wilson is not the answer, I really, really got to know, um, and be sure about that. Hopefully, you know, uh, I mean, he did not look good against the Patriots at all. And when you're the Jets losing against the Patriots, not a good thing. So, but at the same time, it's like, hey, uh, if he's really not it, like we really got to know know this right now. So, um, and you know, if if a second chance or third chance, I guess, <laughs> with Zach Wilson just doesn't uh, turn out for for Wilson, then it's like, okay, we gave you all the shots. Now it's done. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, just knowing what's on the market. Um... Jimmy G, if, if San Fran doesn't want him anymore, mm. you know, I, I actually think that would probably be a pretty smart move for them with Zach Wilson, just like yeah. learning, learning some disciplines there. Um, Daniel Jones, shifting lockers, you know, maybe a couple <laughs> lockers, you know, coloring uh, the locker green instead of blue in the same facility, like possible. I think Daniel Jones is, is just really not there, but just somebody who's like mm-hmm. good enough to just get a starting job to really like, yeah. amp up the pressure on a guy like Wilson, but uh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, Jimmy G would be great, I think. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that that would be a perfect fit just because, like, a lot of the young players on their offense are they're, – they're, they're still, like, on the rookie contract. So, you know, Jimmy G, you know, I guess cap-wise, could fit right in there. And, you know, who knows what they do with Zach Wilson. So, but, yeah, that could make sense. Gotcha. Um, I think football-wise, the only thing that I've got – um, other than what we've covered is this uh, fresh beef uh, that's just been circulating on social media about Patrick Peterson calling out Kyler Murray, uh, saying that Kyler Murray is only about Kyler Murray. Um, thought that was like jaw dropping, to be honest with you, just like first seeing that because like Patrick Peterson is the Arizona Cardinals. So like just to call out like one of its, you know, would would you you would think like one of their future legends in Kyler Murray, like those two are going to be part of like all sorts of future, um, 
you know, enshrinements together as part of like the Cardinals, you know, culture and stuff. But uh, called him out, said that. And what I think surprised me even more is Kyler Murray came like straight back with like, you know, wow, can't believe you would uh, put that out there. You know, you said you're a big brother, a mentor. You know, you imagine him saying that to Kyler, like while being a Cardinal. But like, I guess it's like, question to you is, what do you think about either side of this? Like, do you ha- do you have something compelling you, or like, do you have a side that you know you think is uh, is telling the truth here, or being like more honest than the other? Well, it, it's kind of like. <laughs> You know, Kyler Murray, what 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 exactly has he accomplished compared to Patrick Peterson, who, you know, multiple Pro Bowls, like all pro, like I know he's with the Vikings now, but he was like the best player for the Cardinals for a while. You know, I think it was like yeah, with him and uh uh JJ Watt, right? So like so there's a lot of respect there. Um, you know, it is interesting that a current like he's an active player, uh, you know, calling out another active player uh you know that he played with and everything uh so in a way it's kind of like you know if i'm Kyler murray yeah like i get it but at the same time he has to take a you know eventually you got to take responsibility or something like that or in a way actually i think he's kind of putting more fuel to it now so um you know if he'd never responded to it i feel like you know it might have gone on deaf ears but the, the fact that he responded to it um, it's kind of like, uh, was the Barbara Streisand effect, which I think we talked about where it's like, she made it more, you know, bigger than it ought to have been. So I think Kyler Murray's kind of doing that right now. Um, does Patrick Peterson have a point? Maybe, <laughs> you know, in a way I'm, I'm kind of maybe coming from like, I think Kyler Murray, like he's had, he's won in every single level he's played football with, like, you know, and then now he's kind of running into this whole thing. And a lot of players have done this, right. But I think Kyler Murray, like, he was, like, the best player in, like, Texas football history, right? Um, and then now he's kind of been struggling with the, the Cardinals, has, you know, been made fun of for not watching film and just playing Call of Duty and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, uh, is and he, he hasn't really necess- necessarily said, in my opinion, like, not necessarily said, like, anything wrong or bad or, like, any Zach Wilson level type of stuff. But kind of, like, at the same time, it's like, he hasn't really just been, I guess, that formidable leader, quarterback, that franchise person um, that, you know, carries the the offense a little bit on. Uh, so I think that's where, you know, maybe he does have a little bit of a point there. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I actually do appreciate that Kyler Murray, like, he, uh, he ought not to, in my opinion, he ought to have, like, reached out to Patrick P- Peterson, probably uh, not in public. But yeah, like, you know, private message, like, hey, bro, like, what did you do this for? <laughs> like, I thought, yeah, I think he called him like, you know, potential mentor, big bro, right? So it's like, you know, uh, if that is the case, if you really believe that, like, you know, I get that he's, uh, Patrick Peterson's doing this kind of on his podcast, PFF, you know, posted about it. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, you're also kind of antagonizing him at the same time. Um, and that, that that just makes it kind of look like a quarrel rather than like, Hey, I'm kind of coming from a place of respect. Like, what do you mean by all this? Like, can I get a straight answer from you? So, um, but yeah, it, all in all, it's just like a, it is an interesting situation. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I feel like a lot of things are said on podcasts, you know, like ours and others. It's like, you got to say stuff that you feel, but you also have to say stuff that you think is going to get attention, eyeballs, 
you know, ears, whatever it is. Um, and I think Patrick Peterson may have been stewing on this, like you said, for some time. I mean, maybe it's something like he, he saw, you know, maybe some arrogance of Kyler Murray and how he came through his preparation or lack thereof, um, his inability to be a true leader. You know, they bring in guys like a JJ Watt, like, you know, um, you know, D hop maybe before the suspension, like, did they need to bring those guys into like add a little bit more, you know, maturity to the clubhouse? Like perhaps like, I do get this sense or vibe just watching like hard knocks that, you know, Murray cares about, you know, winning football games. Like I think, I think like, I think he cares about losing and this and that, but there is some sort of like, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know the guy, obviously I haven't been in the locker room with him or whatever, but just kind of like, you know, I'd imagine if I was getting paid $40 million, I would carry myself a certain way, but like everybody else in that, um, you know, locker room isn't, on the same shelf as him as far as pay goes. And it's just like, at some point you got to kind of look yourself in the mirror and be like, Hey, uh, like my responsibility is to be everything for this team. Like I've got to, you know, set the tone on every single front. I've got to take all the heat. I've got to, you know, be almost perfect in the way that I do my job. And uh, if I'm not, you know, maybe I'm sacrificing some money to bring in more talent, like a Tom Brady, you know, (laughs) has done over his career. It's kind of, I think maybe that's where Patrick Peterson's coming from. It's like, man, you know, you, you sit on this throne and you're not winning football games and you're not making people better. And that's my franchise. Like I'm on the Vikings now, but like, you know, that Patrick Peterson would love to end his career, uh, you know, fully with the Cardinals. I think they let him go. And I think he's got a lot of uh, spite there for the organization, but uh, yeah, I think it probably stings a little bit more because it's the Cardinals. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you have like one of the best quarterbacks in the game, you know, with Patrick Peterson, and then you have, you know, a player like Kyle uh, Kyle Murray, who's like, you know, what, maybe top 15 type of quarterback, but it's like, he's going to get paid like three times more than Patrick Peterson. And, you know, if I'm the GM and it's like, okay, you know, sure, he's top 15, but maybe he can be top 10 in a couple of years or something like that, right? So you're kind of banking on that. So you're going to put more of your cap money onto the quarterback, right? We see that time and time again. And, you know, I think a lot of the Seahawks, right, they kind of got pissed off with Russell Wilson, you know, just like he ate a lot of the bunch of the cap space, uh, you know, definitely was kind of corny and all that. But, you know, that that does carry some resentment from some of the players, right? Like the Richard Sherman's of the world is like, wait, you're like our highest paid player, right? But then, you know, you, you also – for the reason kind of why we lost the Super Bowl at the same time. So, you know, with a pick uh, to, to Malcolm Butler, right? So it's like, what, you know, you're getting all the, all the money, but yeah, you're not giving, you know, props to the defense enough, right? You're kind of just being like this, uh, you know, plain vanilla person. That, yeah. Kind of, I guess is what the persona that uh, Russell Wilson's built on right now. And obviously he's struggling, you know, with the Broncos and such, but you know, back to, I guess the whole commentary thing. It's like, yeah, if you're going to make all this money, like, you know, yeah, there's going to be some resentment, I, I think, from other people. And it's like, hey, you either just got to brush it off or you got to prove prove everybody wrong, right? And the only way to prove people wrong sometimes is simply winning. And they're just not doing that right now. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that organization, you know, and I, and I have to say, starting with him, you've got to look at him, you know, squarely on this and say, like, there are some inconsistencies in how he goes about his game probably about how he's leading again. It's just like, it's a real disappointment for that team. Like I didn't, I felt like after last year's playoffs when they just completely got trounced, uh, mm-hmm. you know, coming into this year, they might've been like a average to below average team. I just had this sinking feeling just with 
I think Watt was out. D Hop was getting that suspension. It was kind of like, who are the Cardinals this year? You know, it's kind of hard to like put your finger on what they were identity wise. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens from here on out. Like, um, I, I, I'll keep following this. Like, I want to see if there's any more back and forth here. Maybe they're done. Maybe they have a conversation at some point. But uh, anyways, so yeah, there, for sure. Yeah, no, this is like reality TV. I feel like this is like <laughs> you know, you know, like was it women will watch like the Real Housewives and stuff like that. We'll listen to, you know, or watch uh, grown men argue about stuff on Twitter, you know, millionaires arguing stuff about twi- on, on Twitter, right? Like pro athletes. So, um, but yeah, I, it'll be a fun, I think. You know, maybe there's like, a, they, it, Patrick Peterson ought to have Kyle Murray on the podcast now. I think that's what, what's, what needs to happen for them. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on to baseball, a uh, couple things, looking at our White Sox. Um, Number one, we said goodbye to Jose Abreu. He signed a three-year, $60 million deal with the Houston Astros. Um, you know, we've talked about the White Sox roster in general, what they needed, uh, what they were kind of looking at going into free agency, cap space, everything else. And uh, I believe on the same day uh, this week, they inked uh, Mike Clevenger to a one-year, $12 million deal um, to, you know, essentially be, you know, the fifth, you know, member of that starting rotation at this point. Um but uh, Wayne, just wanted your thoughts on on both of those signings. I mean, good for the like the Astros. You don't they don't even have a GM, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just Jim like, Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like I don't know. I don't know how that all worked out. I was like, Brady was like, "Hey, can I just join?" And they're like, "I don't know." The owner was like, "Yeah, sure. Here's a bunch of money. Why? Like, yeah, okay. But yeah." So, um, I think it's a great signing for the Astros. Uh, you know, Gurriel's. Yeah, gone right. <laughs> uh, so I I think it's great for them. Like you know, you look at that that lineup. It's sick. It's pretty sick. Uh, I think Abreu is probably going to be like what sixth or seventh or something like that in the order there, and that's just nuts. So um, you know, you're talking about someone who was an MVP right like two years ago. So uh, you know, uh, and this year he, he he wasn't so bad either. So um, I think going forth, I know he's what 36 uh, or he's going to be 36. So it's like. Yeah, he's getting older, but he's still a really good bat. Takes care of himself. Really excellent professional. Um, kind of sad, I think, of like you know uh, how how he kind of departed. You know, I think a lot of people made fun of like I guess Jerry Reinsdorf and how like they, kind of what he said, you know, about Abreu. Kind of was like kind of soft ass, if you will. So uh, I don't know. Like it, it definitely is a mixed feeling, but I think it it it's nice. I think for Abreu. Hopefully he does kind of win a ring, even though I kind of like I'm not the Astros again. So uh, I I do wonder if this is like you know going to be I guess you know finalizes this whole like Justin Verlander maybe coming back type of speculation. Um, I mean it sounds like Verlander wants like forty million a year, and I don't know if like yeah the Astros are going to be able to to uh, to get that done, uh, especially yeah. If they don't have a GM or yeah, I don't know. But again, hey, it looks like they're able to get deals without a GM. So, um, but yeah, I bring a great player. Uh, definitely think he uh, you know, kind of belongs into you know the the talks of like White Sox great first basemen. You know, with the Frank Thomases, Paul Canerco's, and all that. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Mike Clevenger, it, it's it's definitely a mixed feeling. It, 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 it's glad it's like a, you know a short term type of deal. That that totally makes sense there. Um, for one year or so it has battled, I think, you know, the past couple of years, injuries, uh, you know, kind of has limited his production, 
you know, had like a career high, like an ERA this previous season with the Padres um, was pretty decent or okay. Like, you know, kind of what you expect from a fifth starter, I think, you know, uh, like maybe three quarters to the season, but his last quarter of the season was pretty awful. Um, and we saw it in the postseason too, right? I think it was like, I think he had, uh, uh, was it like six runs on him or something like that? And like no outs, I think in his like uh, last outing, uh, you know, as a Padre. And I think that's when I was like, yeah, let's get him out of here. So um, hopefully, you know, he shows a little bit, maybe somewhere between probably uh, between his Padre self and then his, uh, uh, um, you know, when he was in Cleveland, right? Like, th- like that version where he had like a, you know, uh, three point whatever like mid mid threes era so if we can get something like that out of a fifth starter great deal um you know maybe some spot starts here and there uh you know if things don't work out so um one year deal uh you know I, I don't think it's too bad but um you know could there have been better deals maybe but at the same time i i think there's a lot worse people that we could have signed than clevenger so yeah yeah, I mean, I guess touching on Abreu, um, the first thing that I noticed was three years, $60 million. And I just thought to myself, like, hell no. I mean, <laughs> hell no, based on where we're at, what we need as a team. Um, love Jose Abreu as a player, what he's done, um, all that. And, uh, you know, granted, if we didn't have a first baseman, DH, you know, replacements kind of lined up who have the potential and ceilings like those two guys do and have put up output, you know, despite injuries. You know, I might, I might be thinking a little bit differently, um, but w- if that was a one-year deal for that same amount, I'd be like, okay, I can see that. I get that. Um, for the Astros, they're almost, I think they're almost looking at it like we're paying you two years, $60 million in reality, because, you know, you're, you're paying for diminishing returns once you get to the back end of your thirties. Um, like you said, Jose Abreu, consummate professional, has kept his body in great shape, almost plays, you know, full season every year. Um, so I, I respect that about him. And even last year with, uh, you know, his power production going down, his hard hit, you know, percentile was one of its best, you know, his ability to hit off the top 25 pitchers in the game was, you know, elite. So it's like, he's still there as far as a player goes and putting him in the Astros lineup is just like, that's disgusting. I mean, I I'm, I'm all on board with his talent. I guess I was just looking at it from the financial perspective of like team need where we're at, you know, what's his actual value and like teams are going to pay up in free agency, especially at the start. So, you know, it all makes kind of sense in a way, but uh, you know, I think we made the right call. And I know a lot of Chicago media, I've <laughs> listened to a lot of Chicago White Sox podcasts lately and people are destroying this and I get it. I feel like sometimes is it like the emotional rational, like where are we at and on that scale with a guy like Jose? Cause he's like Paul Canerco. He's like Frank Thomas. I mean, he is like, you know, he's, he's a white sock. Like you can't, you know, see him any other way. So uh, I totally get that. But um, I think we made the right move. Um, Clevenger was a guy that I had on our list, like on the starting pitcher, like guys that I think are really attractive. And I, I say this because 2017 to 2020, one of the best starters in the American league, um, you know, went 200 innings, one of those seasons, uh, other than that, his you know caper nine percentage was great. His velocity was looking good. He's got the weirdest delivery, <laughs> maybe in the big leagues, and and maybe that's something that Ethan Katz works on him with. But you know, I think a lot of people, um, especially media and you know these analysts that I'm talking about, they kind of you know look at this fact that he's coming off of Tommy John and say, okay, well you know he's you know uh, damaged goods. He he can't bounce back for them. He can't rebound from it. But it's like 
Jacob deGrom, Steven Strasburg, uh, Adam Wainwright, these guys all came back from Tommy John and have had like very successful careers. I mean, you know, I don't have to say much about a lot of those guys. I mean, Strasburg even won, you know, World Series MVP coming back from a Tommy John surgery. So I don't think that that's like the one thing I'm going to pin this all on. And, uh, you know, he's already a year removed from that. He went through, you know, very, like you said, mediocre season. You know, velocity was down. He was getting hit pretty hard. Um, but he's a, he knows how to pitch in the major leagues, and he's, you know, he's a seasoned vet, and he takes care of AL Central opponents. And, and that's something that statistically can't be, you know, disproven. And, you know, a one-year prove-it deal for me, uh, for a guy like that, I mean, he's going to come into this season, like, licking his chops. Like, he's he's trying to, you know, bank on that next big contract, maybe his last big contract. You don't know. But, uh, you know, I think uh, with these signings, they got to, like, start thinking about other things for the White Sox. So uh, I will come back to that. But I just – if you have any reaction to that, cool. Um, other than that, I was also looking for, like, what what now do you see with the White Sox based on where we – we're on our last episode versus where we are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Michael Conforto. Uh, yeah, I, I think those are all <laughs> great points. I'm thinking like, yeah, we still need outfield. We still need uh, uh, second base, right? I think those are the, the two ones there. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I like, I, I agree everything we just said with Clevenger, you know, prove a deal. You know, if we can get, again, he's our fifth, he's going to be our fifth starter. Uh, hopefully, you know, Kopak is, healthy enough right so uh you know as the fourth starter there and you know the the rest of the order hopefully giolito has a bounce back and everything like you know etc uh, etc et so uh but you know it is nice to see that we had dylan cease really kind of stand out there second in the uh cy young so overall like i feel pretty good right now with the pitching squad like i don't yeah i don't know who else we were thinking we're gonna get like what justin verlander like no so um yeah so definitely for that but yeah, everything else, you know, I, I know we touched about like all the left-handed uh, uh, outfielders out there. I think one name somebody ta- uh, tossed out to us in the YouTube comments actually was Cody Bellinger. It was just like, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, let's get all this money out there and everything and just like toss it in there. So, um, but hey, if we could, you know, uh, yeah, why not? If the price is right. But yeah, I'm definitely looking at like, you know, Michael Conforto over there uh, a little bit more so of um and then um yeah uh is adam frazier probably at at second base is probably like the top people on my list uh at this moment that seem reasonable in terms of contracts that we could potentially get so but yeah what are your thoughts pat (laughs) i guess with the clevenger thing the only other you know piece of that i wanted to bring up was uh this idea of folks being torn between clevenger or just resigning cueto um i'm I'm okay with what we did because like Cueto is back end of his thirties as well. He was on a minors deal, you know, free agency walk deal where it's kind of like he was hungry. He needed to prove himself. He needed to get back on that bump. He had, you know, motivation to do so. But if you throw him, you know, two years and, you know, double digit millions for his time, like how hungry is he going to be? Like, is he going to bounce back and be what we saw in 20, you know, 20, you know, two or, you know, are we seeing a guy who's now fed and is like, well, you know, I can be, you know, 420, 430 ERA, like no sweat. So I'm kind of on that line of like, sign these deals, even if they're one years, you know, I'd love to have a multi-year commitment with, uh, you know, a guy with, you know, Clevenger's type of upside, but, you know, in a year like this, like if we're, 
on that fence between are we contenders still or you know do we have to make more changes you know in 24 like we'll get there you know we'll get there when we do um love that you brought up michael conforto for the outfield like that was a guy he's going back doubling back on some uh you know analytics and stuff i mean a guy who's 70 you know second percentile in you know uh outfield um average um outs i believe it's it's a uh, basically a kind of a looking at his um, range in the outfield, you know, whether or not balls, you know, were hard to catch, easy to catch, they kind of put a gauge on, you know, how difficult some of these plays were and how routine others were. And he's in the second, 72nd percentile of outfielders as far as his coverage goes, you know, in the outfield um, in the same sense, like his um, OBP uh, is also 73 percentile. So it's kind of like, you know, we're looking for a guy who can play defense and get on base for us because, you know, we've got a lot of guys I think who have some power potential and it'd just be nice to have, you know, some extra RBIs attached to those. Um, you know, I brought up Kurt Kiermeyer in the past, so I don't want to get into that, but I think he'd be just another, you know, quality defensive outfielder, left-handed hitter to put out there. And uh, looking at Gene Segura one more time, I mean, I know we're also looking at the lefty-righty splits, but I mean, this guy's just like a pure hitter and he actually plays really good defense too. And, you know, with the shift being, you know, banned, it's kind of like, Love to have a second baseman who's got some great range. I know Frazier does as well. So it's like, you know, I'm okay with either of those options, but I think we definitely need some some true major leaguers um, in all three of those spots. Yeah, no, I think Segura is good. And, you know, he, he he did show like he still has some game, you know, with the Phillies and everything. So I I, I, I do like him overall. So um, another name out there, you know, we'll, we'll just be tossing names because, hey, that's what we're all about here. So um, other names that I, I, I could potentially like, uh, you know, would be like Andrew Benatendi, actually. Um, yeah. You know, uh, didn't play too much, I think, with the Yankees, uh, you know, split time between the Yankees and, and the Royals here. But um, overall, like, you know, he gets on base, uh, hits pretty well, you know, and uh, has an excellent glove. So it's like, what kind of more do you want from, you know, an outfielder? Uh, yeah, when you already do have, like, you know, players like uh, Luis uh, Robert and, uh, Eloy Jimenez and like you know a bunch of power, a healthy Tim Anderson, right? So um, I think he could fit right in, uh, in well, pretty well there. Um, and then if we really just want to like go crazy and uh, you know I, I know this name's been kind of talked around, uh, tossed around a little bit too. Uh, Joey Gallo, if that is possible too. <laughs> uh, you know Joey Bats, like if you know I know he's definitely like kind of the Adam Dunn type of level, right? Where he just <laughs> hits homers, strikes out, or walks, right? Nothing in between. So. But hey, you know, if we can get him at a decent price too, again, that's the big kicker there. Um, why not take a, you know, a, a one or two year deal on him or something like that? So um, I think something somebody like him could, uh, you know, step right in and provide more power from the left side there. So, yeah, I mean, outside of just the outright signings, I think one thing that's become a little bit more clear or like the potential for it is who we would actually trade. I kind of feel like I'm getting these vibes of like a Liam Hendricks or Graveman uh, going somewhere for an outfielder. I know we've talked about Gavin Sheets too, but uh, a lot of analysts are talking about one of the core pieces of this team, whether it's uh, Jimenez, Robert Anderson, or Mankata being dealt. I don't see Mankata based on his salary um, and his, you know, just the contract in general. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can definitely see us dealing from within to kind of like patch up some of these holes and not have to, you know, go above the, you know, the cap limits that they've set. So it's just like, maybe it is plucking from this bullpen where 
It's like maybe some of these guys can have some bounce back years where if you lose a Hendricks, like you're still well enough covered to, you know, miss out on a star closer or something like that. But um, yeah, what I've heard is that they're just going to be active at these winter meetings. And I feel like you know people are saying like they're going to wheel and deal. And I'm like, all right, like, let's see what we got. But uh, yeah, just excited for what's, uh, what's to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And if if they want to go inward and go the cheaper route, I mean, Oscar Collis, right? It's like, you know, could he? Like, he's had... Eventually, you got to bring up some of these people, right? He's 24 years old. He's only going to get older. Like, I think that's a good age. And uh, he's shown production in the AAA level. So, you know, hey, maybe we see if he's able to, uh, you know, depending on spring training does and everything, maybe we'll just see how he does and um, kind of play him throughout. So, you know, there's definitely options, I think, out there for the White Sox. But yeah, we'll see uh, how things transpire. Yeah. On a similar note, I've heard Lennon Sosa might get strong looks at second. I've heard Romy Gonzalez might too. So like you're saying, it's like we've got this depth at the minor leagues. It's like graduating from AAA and it's like it's now or never, you know, boomer bust. And uh, Colas, yeah. I think, has much more of an upside than those other two guys. But in the same sense, it's like yeah, we might just have to give them a look and pair them with uh, – you know, uh, Lurie Garcia or, you know, like somebody's been there and kind of done it a little bit. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think one thing I'm like, do the White Sox need more leadership or something like that? Like I know Tim Anderson, he's kind of like the one person there, but you know, they lose somebody like a Bray, right. You know, you, you definitely need those players that are kind of like quasi coaches. Um, you know, and a Bray was definitely like, you know, uh, you know, spoke Spanish, Cuban, you know, they have a lot of Cuban players, et cetera, et cetera. So, he was definitely kind of that staple there. So now it's like, well, where's that going to come from? Like, I know we have a new manager and everything and he seems great and all, but yeah, you know, definitely need more of that leadership. I feel like. And so it's like, do we go through free agency on there or, you know, can we expect some of these other players to, you know, step up and kind of provide that mature, uh, you know, older brother or, or uncle or father <laughs> type of figure to some of the younger players that are around. So um, yeah, I think those are my only uh, I guess uh, thoughts of like, you know, do we get that from free agency or, Hey, maybe we do ask, you know, some other people, some of these players to step up more. So. Yeah. Or, you know, the hiring of their hitting coach, uh, Jose Castro out of the Atlanta organization. I mean, Cuban native, somebody who probably speak to Yolan, Eloy, Luis kind of get in their heads. I mean, he worked with, you know, Atlanta for the last eight years. So you look at the hitting that's come out of, you know, their minor league systems onto the major league field. I mean, that that could speak volumes. I mean, I think Griffal is also going to be leaned on a lot for that kind of uh, mentorship and guidance outside of, you know, losing a guy like Jose, who, you know, everybody said is a class act and a great leader. Um, you know, I think as far as that goes, just on that note of like, you know, maturity or growing and things like that, I think, you know, maybe the impetus for some of these deals will be around that, like bringing high character acquisitions whether it's free agency trades i mean maybe it is shaking up the culture of the team maybe you know jose was great in his own right but maybe he just wasn't enough to really like balance out the personalities in that you know locker room so maybe you you eliminate a couple of them or you overwhelm them with uh stronger personalities or you know new factions or something like that so i'm kind of like just interesting to see how they're identifying what they actually need yeah for sure yeah but yeah regardless you know in Rick Hahn, we trust, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Anything else in baseball? Uh, I don't know. On your mind or, or, or signings that you've seen otherwise that uh, are interesting to you? 
Yeah, not too many. I know we like gave like our our like you know top pr predicted signings. We haven't really seen too many go out there yet. Um, uh, I, I did hear was it Aaron Judge got offered, uh, you know, and I don't know how this all got out, but was it like a three hundred million eight year contract or something like that? So, um, curious. Yeah, what what do you think about that for the Yankees if he were to resign with them for that amount of money? I think it's a. I think it's a fair deal. Um, is it the deal that's going to close the books on that? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I feel like if you're going shorter years, the average annual value is probably going to have to be the best in baseball. Cause I feel like every time we get to a new free agency year, you know, these guys are free and they're like, well, I want to be the new trendsetter. I want to be the top dog. So if you're not going to pay me for 15 years at X, you know, millions, I want, the highest, you know, per year. So I think he'd probably have to rise like almost around 40 million, I'd say for, for a season. And, uh, you know, I don't know if this is their last offer, but it's just, you get to that kind of money. If you're not going to be a team that's going to go wildly over the cap and get into like, you know, the tax penalties and like maybe you bite the bullet and just do it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little skittish on Aaron Judge for a few reasons. I mean, before this year, what did we really see him as? I mean, we saw him as maybe at best a $30 million player per year, maybe. Um, you know, he's been, you know, riddled with injuries in his 20s. What's he going to look like in the back half of his 30s, you know? So those kinds of things get on my mind. Like, I know he hit, you know, the 62 home runs, you know, he is in a favorable hitting park and stuff like that, but it's, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about a guy like Aaron judge. Like I just haven't seen um, enough at that kind of level where I'm like, yeah, like you're the kind of guy I think can take us to the next level and win, um, you know, you know, penance and world series and all this other stuff. So I'm a, I'm kind of like, it's a fair offer, but I don't think it's less. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what's the saying about, uh, uh, I, I like your point about, you know, uh, long-term deals. Like why, 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 why would players do that? Right. Uh, Cause like, yeah, what is it like us, you know, normal peasants do, or what's, what's that, uh, best practice is like, yeah, you ought to job hop, hop like two or three, every two or three years or something like that. Cause that's the only, you know, the best chances of you getting a raise or something. So, um, but yeah, that's like, uh, you know, kind of like, I think what, you know, a lot of players these days are probably aiming to do more so of is, you know, the TV money for whatever reason is going crazy. So, you know, a lot of these t TV companies are trying to just buy these rights because they know that sports is kind of like the last horizon for like live tv right so um so you know players are going to get a lot more of the that cash that's kind of what it's happens with the nba and you know all the others uh uh the nfl as well and, and mlb so it's like hey you know uh maybe judge takes like three years you know 40 million with the yankees or maybe like a four or five year uh and then assesses then hey all right maybe yeah uh, hey new york's really expensive maybe go somewhere you know, cheaper for it or something like that. So, um, but I don't know. It really depends. I think what judge wants, if he really wants to become a Yankee and I don't know, maybe that is a good deal for him. But um, yeah, like you were saying, you know, if I'm the Yankees since like, wait, we paid all this money, but then you've been injured like ever so often, like off and on uh, throughout your career with us. So, you know, is it kind of worth it? We get your a fan favor too, but Hey, we also got to win. So, um, but you know, I think judges overall, eh, I think it's a good deal. I think overall for him at least. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I think the only other thing that I've seen, and I mean, deals are probably still to come. Uh, Wilson Contreras also met with the Astros today. So I was kind of just like, man, if they were to sign Wilson Contreras, like just, I mean, just <laughs> stealing the hearts right out of Chicago. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like one of the scummiest organizations around right now, just taking the prize possessions of Chicago. But, but still, like just adding Contreras to that team, regardless if they sign Verlander back, it's like, that's going to be like, it's going to remind me of the 1990, uh, you know, Indians just stacked mm. with guys that were Hall of Fame candidates and just one of the most power packed offenses of all time. I mean, this is one, of, this would be one of the greatest offenses I think we'd, we'd see in this modern era. So uh, let's, yeah. uh, let's hope it doesn't happen for our sake, just if, you know, we want to be contenders, but man, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, along with that pitching, so like that's the funny part is like, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get rid of uh, Verlander, the the Cy Young or whatever. Like, we don't mind. We're, we'll we'll just load up on our offense more. And oh yeah, by the way, like everybody else in our pitching staff and our our bullpen, uh, you know, they did really really well in the in the postseason and the regular season. So really, not too much many drawbacks, I think, for their strategy at the moment. So. I mean, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. And and why pay, you know, 40 million a season for what could be diminishing returns for a guy who's going to be, you know, playing in his age 40 season. It's like mm-hmm. I think the same strategy would apply for the White Sox right now, you know, like the Astros, yeah. I think we have a starting five on paper, but maybe we wait for this whole, you know, offseason to kind of take place, guys sign everywhere and there's going to be some leftovers and you know, like we did with Johnny Cueto last year on the minors deal, you know, the Astros could go right out and Maybe get a Ross Stripling who doesn't get, you know, a contract he wants, or maybe we sign a Kyle Gibson to a, you know, minors deal and have him be our, you know, swing man. So if, you know, one of our starters go down, we have somebody like, hey, this guy's pitched, mm-hmm. you know, he started major league games, he's serviceable enough, like maybe he's got some juice left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. The Astros are definitely at a different playing field right now. With uh, they have options, I think, and they're really, really utilizing. Yeah, they don't need a GM. Like apparently, they're doing fine. So, yeah, God, that whole situation could be an episode on its own. Like Ukraine dismissing a couple of executives that just won a World Series. It's like, yeah. like the way I've heard he works is just like you know, you're basically a yes man to Jim Crane, and like he's going to take credit for all the player decisions he's done a great job i guess but uh yeah i guess he doesn't like uh giving up much control yeah that that is interesting because yeah i think what uh like click is much more the analytics person and like using saber metrics and all that uh or it sounds like crane's like no let's just get jose abreu and let's just spend a bunch of money on him let's spend a bunch of money on los Contreras, and yeah we're good okay shut up like you don't need data for that or spreadsheet for that so yeah pretty much well yeah, I think this was, uh, you know, covered the the gamut of football, baseball for right now. Um, Wayne, did you have any other, uh, you know, final thoughts here? Um, not at this moment, but, um, you know, I know uh, December is approaching us and everything. The holiday season is coming and all. So, you know, moving on, I guess, to more of the breakfast or food part of our uh, little podcast here. Uh, curious, what are your favorite, you know, winter foods, winter snacks that you usually partake in, you know, when it gets a little bit cooler, uh, you know, when you're in the Midwest or even when it gets cooler over there uh, in the, the DC area? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, so for everybody sitting back at home, get out your sweatpants. This is the time of year 
where it's totally cool to eat dip deep dish pizza, lasagna, baked ziti, you name it. If it comes in like a deep serving tray and it's like, you know, quiche or it's, you know, just a very rich pasta, whatever else it could be, you know, this is the time to do that. It, it's the time to get completely full. You know, I love drinking some red wine right around this time of year, especially with Italian food. And, uh, you know, just, just watching, you know, good movies, you know, as the weather, you know, slowly takes you out from outside to, to kind of just, uh, you know, just being a complete uh, waste of life on your couch or wherever you're at, uh, you know, uh, across Chicago or if you're in the DMV area and then such. So I, I think those are like kind of my, my, my go-tos. I'd also, you know, bringing back some pie. I mean, I think, you know, we've covered <laughs> pie and, and in very rich detail, but like, this is pie season. Like you want to be eating lots of pie, lots of cake, other things that just, you know, make you feel incredibly full. How yeah, about you? Yeah, I yeah, know. I'm in the same boat. I mean, is it any, is there any time not to eat pie? I feel like, but I feel like during the <laughs> winter time, it's like, you know what? I need to like get some natural insulation uh, for survival. So I am going to load up on carbs, going to load up on pie, but eat whatever the hell I want, you know, for survival. <laughs> so uh especially if it's nice and warm um i will add too it's like i love chocolate so you know chocolate definitely helps there whether it's a hot chocolate or a nice swiss chocolate you know during the winter um some warm hot uh nuts you know if you're in the chicago area like going to uh the chris kindle market and getting some you know fresh uh, uh walnuts that are, are are you just got heated up and everything i think those like are the cinnamon they yeah yeah oh those are so i got yeah i know what you mean those are great for yeah, sure yeah 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 it's like that you know i'm getting a bratwurst or some schnitzel and then um uh you know the the boots you know with uh some i guess uh some heated wine in there too so yeah that is that's a game changer uh the chris <laughs> market the hot wine i've always like sitting in that tent uh anytime i've gone there i think i've been like a handful of times over the years uh but but that's like a real draw and they give you those mugs to go and stuff i think i still yeah. have a couple uh here but uh no, definitely yeah, yeah. a fan of that yeah yeah they actually just opened yeah they opened one out in uh, wrigleyville now so that it's actually in wrigley field they have one in downtown and they actually have a chris kindle too in wrigley okay. field so yeah yeah um, so that would, that would be the only reason why I go to that area, but yeah, check that out <laughs> for sure. I mean, I think is going back to the food choices. This is the one time I everybody talks about, you know, what do you, do you like deep dish pizza? Would you recommend it? This and that. And like, for somebody who's not from Chicago, who's not like just willing to go over to Lou Malnati's in like the middle of the summer, I always say like the perfect time to get deep dish, even for like the first time is definitely like the winter time. So like, if you can just have like that, you know, delivered and split that with you and a friend or two. Um, yeah, I think this is like where deep dish pizza like hits. It's like, you know, it's, it's climax. Again, yeah. Getting that natural insulation. I feel like any excuse where we just butter up anything and then just eat and then watch football. Like this is a great time to be a guy and just be like all you know, <laughs> Neanderthal about all that. So, no, yeah, uh, I'm definitely much more of a Pequot's person, but I do oh, me? Yeah, 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 no, yeah. I'm with you, Wayne. I'm with you. Yeah, that's my number one. So, didn't want to get twisted, but yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, definitely Pequot's person. So, yeah, awesome. I was gonna join you on this note of food and you know, with a closing thought, but like dessert wise, um, 
man, I'm really into edible cookie dough. I mean, like we we're talking about, like it's that time of year or whatever. But like this last weekend, I got uh, chocolate chip edible cookie dough and also a like uh, funfetti type birthday cake one. And like obviously, we're sharing it with my wife or whatever else. But like seriously, like if you haven't tried edible cookie dough, not you know, not the type that'll get you sick if you're making actual cookies and putting them in the oven to bake and stuff, but just like. <laughs> eating that straight out of a jar i mean i'm i swear like i don't know if there's a better i don't know if there's a better dessert i mean i think i was just missing like a little ice cream on the side just to, like you know stack it maybe 75 25 with the dough versus the ice cream but man have you ever had that or know of any places that just do edible cookie dough like a ice cream spot that just you know kind of focuses on that i don't think so no i, I think that's a good that actually makes more sense than like gummies i believe you know Cause it's got like that fatty sugary type of feel. So I feel like that's a better uh, way to utilize that. And yeah, the, the, uh, the fun stuff too, at the same time. So, you know, yeah, no, I think that totally makes sense. I wonder if like, you know, uh, have you heard of Levain's uh, bakery? It's like a New York thing. Oh, um, the big cookies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if there's a way to like infuse that with like Levain's like chocolate chip cookies. That could be something or getting the cookie dough there. So, um, man, they should they should consider that. They should consider packaging that up and like you know distributing that nationwide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe not nationwide. I, I think it might be federal, you know, <laughs> uh, legal for that. But still, yeah, I think it's a great idea though for them to do that. You know. Wait, what's wrong with what's wrong with cookie dough? Is there like a what's, think, what's going I, on? <laughs> well, I don't mean like the edible, the edible side. I would say. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Do you think? No, no, no. This cookie dough is not a THC. There's no THC in the cookie dough. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I, I think you can get the cookie dough delivered to you. I think through like Gold Belly or whatever. But not. Like, mm. Yeah. Not. Not with like you know weed in there or whatever. So. Or, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, no, we don't. We don't do that here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just. Uh, no, I guess. Uh, Anyways, I hope my point didn't get to uh, me uh, eating edibles, but uh, no, I definitely think there are some places here uh, in the DMV area that seriously are like ice cream shops, but they just, mm. they make edible cookie dough and they deliver it. Like I can get DoorDash, mm. Grubhub, whatever, but then you can also get in your grocer's freezer. So you just like, you know, um, Toll House makes it, um, other big brands make it. I think like Nestle has some too, Reese's might have some, but like, Seriously, if you've never if you've never wandered in the dessert aisle at the grocery store, just a little bit, like take a second look because like you go by the pudding section, it should be there. And I'm telling you right now, it's seriously like one of my favorite desserts. And it's like I got to be careful with it because it's so it's so addictive, and I can like <laughs> crush it. But it's it's very filling and very heavy. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I love good cookie dough, regardless, either to eat fresh uh, from like whatever can or whatever, or yeah yeah fresh out of the oven too so yeah well sounds good uh i'm, I'm getting hungry yet again uh <laughs> here out at night like every time we close out an episode here but uh yeah good recap if anybody out there has any comments you know please place them here on youtube um you know any reviews on spotify apple google podcasts um you know follow on instagram we're nearing almost a k in followers which is really exciting um, anything on that front, we just appreciate your support, your comments. So, you know, stick with us and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back really soon. Take care, all.